My parents went through the war and lived through poverty. Like my dad grew up in India, like he was born in India. My mom lived through poverty in in China. Both my family grew up in poverty and on their own efforts and and also luck and so on and so forth. Like I would say, like you and I, just based on what you just said, is that we heard the stories, but we saw the success of how someone who overcame those hardships. I don't know if you did, but I didn't personally experience these hardships my parents went through. I know we're kind of maybe going off a different topic, but I'm talking about my kids, right? Like, let's face it. Yeah. Right. I didn't live through any hardship that my parents lived through. My kids definitely yep. is not living through any hardship, right? But what I do feel like kind of bad for, right? It's like you try to teach it, but it's not firsthand knowledge anymore, right? Because they didn't go through me. Like, yeah. you know, so I think this is why this episode is such an important element. It's like, how do we not only how to manage our setbacks ourselves, but how do we teach that to our kids and the next generation? Yeah around how to handle these setbacks. Man, man, oh man, oh man, Jim. It's been a <laughs> hell of a week, hasn't it? It's, yeah. it's one of those things, I think, when we are living life and yeah. enjoying life. It's the cumulative things that are going on in our lives that no one ever talks about and no one has the video or the experience of what we're actually going through. And social media yep. projects the highlight reel, the goods, the best of the parts, but no one, you know, that one split second, they don't see the other, you know, 23 the happily hours. Ever and, after the syndrome, yeah, exactly. right? the happily ever after syndrome. It's like, hey man, you make the decision and it lives, ha- you live happily ever after, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's it's funny. And I think this is why we're going to have the conversation today. I mean, you, you brought up this topic around uh, managing setbacks. And I would imagine yeah. anybody who's listening or watching these podcasts, including ourselves here, they've gone through any life, any part of life, you don't, no matter how yeah. old you are, you have, must have had some setbacks in your life. I think if you didn't have setbacks, I think, I, I don't know, I would, I would venture to say that I actually feel sorry if you didn't have any setbacks because- it, Yeah, it would be like, like a sheltered life, right? Because fundamentally the human experience means there are going to be setbacks. And yep. that process of setbacks, enduring, learning, picking yourself up, keeping going again, that's that's the human story. That's pretty much what life's all about, really, in yeah, terms of absolutely. any any area. But yet, you know, setback and even in the word, right, set, it's, you know, sets us backwards. That statement, that feeling, I'm sure all of us have gone through. But in the moment, like it's easy for us to kind of, I want to be really clear on this like as we talk about this type of things on how to manage and what to do and some of the strategies that you know has maybe helped us get through setbacks in the moment though of any setbacks it's uncomfortable and it sucks and you're in deep pain yep. most of the time and you know yep. the reason why it's a lot yep. easier to talk about it now because it's usually done in hindsight and we're actually not in it currently unless there's something going on with you currently you know like most of the stuff that we're going to talk about is usually from the past and, and past experience. And so, well, I think it's, the reason why I think it's important to talk about is number one, we need to be aware that there are strategies that can help you. Two, also recognize that these strategies need to be repeated in your head and acknowledged and be aware of so that you can actually apply it in the appropriate manners when it does happen. Because oftentimes when the setback does happen, your emotions are so high and it makes it very difficult to extrapolate that knowledge you might have gained from a podcast like this to and bring it to the forefront to actually activate it. So uh, what I'm saying to you is for anybody listening and watching this is that, you know, take it for whatever, you know, the advice we give you today, but also like put it some of it into practice immediately if you can, because that's when it will sink in that will put into practice of all the things that are important that sort of when the time comes, 
It's like you practicing jujitsu, right? It's like you practice, you practice, practice because you want to make it so like this when someone does attack you for for real, and uh, you can yeah. react. It's like yeah. muscle memory. Yeah, look, that totally. And, and you know, there's a saying in jujitsu that says, you know, it takes you ten thousand submissions to get to your black belt, and most people associate that with ten thousand submissions that you have on somebody else. But the reality is, it's on you. <laughs> Right, so you get submitted submission of myself. Correct. No, not not yourself. Somebody else submits the daylights out of you, and the process, each and every one of those, is kind of like equivalent to Edison's thousand, you know, light bulbs, or ten thousand hours. Because Mm. fundamentally, what you're looking at is a setback. You go, hey, gee, that didn't work too well. Next time, I need to do this. So, So there's a, you know, Einstein always used to say a definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different outcome. Yeah. Right. And so that to me is what setbacks give you is yes, there's the disappointment. Yes, when you're in it, it's painful. It's, it challenges you. Everything is going to come up. All the stories you tell about yourself, about yourself, and what it means that are all going to come up. You have to cycle through that. Right. Mm. However, it all comes out of like a split second, you, too. What's that? As it all comes right at it's like one second and everything, yeah, all like, that it, stuff just like, comes at it's you. It's like a pop-up yeah. screen. Yeah. That's it. It's like a pop-up screen that happens straight away and you have to basically have the situational awareness of the time to go, okay, let's just pause. Let's hit pause. Let's yeah, cycle through the emotion, but what can I learn from this? And I think to me, that's the biggest gift in a setback quite often if you allow yeah. it to be. Yeah. And so let's maybe start talking about like why we have setbacks in the first place, right? So we already, already kind of touched upon like the importance of setbacks. I think, like you said, both of us are both agree. I don't think we need to dive too much into this, but setbacks are important development of our human growth and to make us better and stronger people. However, like I think one of the things that it's important to recognize is like what maybe, I think we'll start the conversation here. Like what are some of the things that you know, happens that create setbacks possibly. Okay. So I'm going to, I'll start here. Like I think one of the main reasons that create setbacks is all expect the word expectation is that we yeah. set ourselves with certain expectations and because of that expectation and whether that be right or wrong, oftentimes it's like a higher expectation. Like I'll give you my example. We talked about this before we start recording. Uh, my house is being completed. It's, it's supposed to be done by now and I was supposed to have moved in by now. And hence like, um, but as you can see, for those people watching, I'm still here in my Airbnb for the last six months. And because we had this expectation was supposed to be done in September, now October and now November. It's like, it's a pushback. It's another two weeks, another two weeks, another two weeks. So then because we had that certain expectation, it's like, it becomes like this thing, like it's never ending. It doesn't seem like it's ending. So it keeps that setbacks occur because the reality of life isn't matching to the expectation that we thought was supposed to happen. Yeah. I was just going to say the Buddhists have quite often a saying that says pain is normal. Suffering is, you know, that's basically, that's the difference. You you have a choice Mm. in terms of, you know, suffering is not uh, compulsory. And a lot of the times it's the meaning or the interpretation or the outcome that you're talking about that creates a lot of the suffering. So particularly in Buddhist principles and in a lot of principles, new age ones, they talk about the surrender. And the surrender process is about saying, okay, this setback is not me. It's not about me. It's not personalizing the setback and some uh, some failing or frailty within the person. It's basically going, okay, here's the scenario. How do I interpret it? How do I actually surrender to it, give it my best shot, and then surrender to the process? And and I get with I get what you're talking about with the house setback, Lawrence, because a lot of the times it's human nature to go, okay, all right, this will go on till September. And then September comes and goes, and it's created a whole lot of stress for you. You go, okay, I'll push it out October. It's got to be ready by October. And it's not. And so it's part of it is managing your own expectations, but then also 
working through the emotional journey of what's coming up for you when those setbacks are coming along. That's There's two parts to it. Yeah, absolutely. I love that personalization one because, I mean, that is so true. Um, the more we personalize something, and obviously these setbacks are, you know, affect us personally, but the more you invest emotionally and personally in affecting it and making it seem like it's you, it's all on you, or this is like, you make yourself a victim, really. That's what, what we're yep. doing kind of thing. Yep. Um, it makes, exemplify, it multiplies that pain yep. and uh, and that and the suffering you're talking about. And uh, that is an yeah, option. Yeah, so there's the, the two parts. Well, you know, remember back in psychology when we used to do this, uh, Lawrence, when we were studying, and they talk, the, the colleges talk about the internal locus of control and the external locus of control. Mm. So the internal uh, locus control basically says what factors are within your control that you can change that can have an impact, right? And so when you feel like you have autonomy, when you feel like you have control over a situation, any setback, you go, okay, well, I can adapt, I can handle that. But whenever there's factors outside of your control or there's the perception of permanence, i.e. this is always going to be like this, Yep. That's when it starts doing your head in. That's when it really starts having an impact on you over and above the setback. It's the multiplier effect that you were talking about. So yeah. I think it's really important. We'll definitely deep dive into some of the strategies specifically, but I think what effect a setback has to people can be different in different situations in terms of how they interpret setbacks or how they interpret challenges in life. Well, I think that goes right to the point of like how you, you know, your interpretation of the story you make up about this, sorry, the story you create of this, uh, from the setback would determine the life you going to lead moving forward. So like, I think that's, I think yeah. it's an important thing to talk about, right? Because if you take, like, let's say what you said about personalizing it. So if there's certain things that happen, let's say, say setback occurs and you personalize it as like, oh man, it's, it's all, you know, I've become the victim because it was on me or because I, yeah. I was, oh, I'm yeah. the stupid one, or I'm, I'm always making these mistakes yeah, all the time. Than, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Things. And you create yeah, this yeah. story and it's just like, now you just created a story that may or may not be true. Be clear on that. And then all yeah. of a sudden, but it will change the trajectory of your life simply because that story becomes your reality. And then that reality becomes your real yeah. new expectation and that new expectation. Now you're going to find your brain is so smart in a way, but dumb at the same time. Because if you ask a certain question, like, why yeah. am I stupid? Your brain will tell you all the reasons yeah. why you're stupid, right? Because you asked the specific question. That's right. If you change the question yeah. to why am I so brilliant, then your brain will search out for answers to answer that question. So if you set a certain expectation that, you know, I must, I'm stupid all the time, I lose money every, in every single deal I have, or, you know, I'm just terrible at business. Yeah, your brain will create that bias in you and, and then, you know, show you all those evidence that moving forward, that why you're, you know, to make sure that, that that statement is actually accurate, but hence, but the problem was, is because it simply was a story you created at some point in your life. Yeah, totally. And you know, the, I was just thinking, as you were saying that, like, I'll give a personal example, like the way I used to do life particularly was anytime there was a setback, there was like this um, brick wall and I just, I'd come up against a brick wall and quite often it would be, you know, one of the emotions for me, a lot of times was frustration, right? So I've really had to cycle through what frustration meant and why that was the case. But my default always was ego and just take a longer run up, right? And I just repeat the same mistake constantly and just, just take a longer and longer run up thinking that perhaps if I just muscle my way through this, I'll break down this brick wall. But you learn pretty quickly that the walls are pretty sturdy and as time goes on and maybe it's, you know, maturity that says, hey, dude, that wall is staying just as strong and you aren't getting, you know, you're basically aging. I did exactly just, what you just said. Go, use the door. A different question. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. It's like, hey, man, is there another way through this? Oh, yeah, there's a door. There's a ladder. I can go around it. I don't have to bust through it. But when you're in it, sometimes you don't have yeah. awareness to ask a different question 
And for me, what was happening and substitute with that brick wall is you name it, that the wall represented, whether it was a, basically a setback in physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, it was the same approach. It was the same responsibility, the same response. And I had to do the work on myself to go, hey, dude, just keep doing the same thing. This is how it's going to keep working. Well, I and think that's the human sometimes condition. Sometimes you right? need someone to in the blind spot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the human condition is that you're going to look for those things and you're going to keep on keeping on yeah. unless you get shown a, a different perspective. And that's why I think coaching is such an important element in everybody's life. You know, the coach yeah. is there. Like how I define coaching, or at least, you know, the coaching that we do, it's like our coaching, it's about providing you a perspective that you couldn't see. Like it's helping you see things yeah. that you couldn't see yourself, hear things you didn't want to hear and help you be the person that you've always wanted to be. There's certain things you just are built not to want to see because you don't want to yeah. go and look at that, right? It's like, and, yeah. and you don't want to hear it. So therefore that's what a coach yeah. does. And, it, and that shift in perspective, all of a sudden you see clearer, you hear things clearer. And all of a sudden that gives you that, just that window of opportunity to like, just go, okay, there's a different path, Yeah. right? And I think that's the beauty of having someone it doesn't it's someone who you can trust i'm not saying it has to be someone who's hired but you have to have i think i honestly believe everybody has to have someone to guide them through yep. the narrow uh scopes of life that's what i think our job is as a parent right our parent like as a parent i'm trying to like help my kids navigate through life and as they're getting older i'm trying to like be i'm i'm not there to like hold their hand anymore now it's more like i'm there to help them take their steps on their own right as they get older and older and i think a parent is a coach is to help you see through yeah. those things be shown that perspective yeah and those small little one percent changes changes their entire life yeah because we're all on a we're blinkered on a specific process and a path and a lot of times we don't identify our own blind spots and really like you said that the magic and the difference or coaches have always played for me is that they highlight those areas for me and they highlight these spots and say have a look at what's going on here i don't need to tell you something because if you can work this out through this process and you suddenly come up with your own answer you suddenly go holy smoke now i see it as opposed to someone telling you what the answer is that you may have a story about, I don't like people telling me what to do, it reminded me of my mum, dad, whatever, all those kind of things, that can, that can block you. So the process of setbacks is, I think, a really key and important situation and, and scenario is what's the truth here? What's really going on here? How much is it is fabricated? How much of it is perceived and how much is it real? Because once you get to the truth, you can start having change you can have transformation the moment you get to core truth and as a starting point it's like okay here's where we're at really this is what we know not any worse not any better but that here is what it is what yeah. would you say to that one yeah i think it's, it, it's that's the hard part you know facing reality right and uh i remember i think yep. it was i'm pretty sure it was in good to great where they talked about the stockdale paradox yep. right and it was uh it's basically i'll, I'll yep. quickly summarize for those people who don't know it which is like john stockdale i believe that's his first name was a pow in the vietnam war and you know he was there i believe he was the one of the highest ranking you know military yeah and that was actually that was captured and he was there for seven years from memory and he survived obviously and, and when he was released there was he did a whole interview with him and and they asked him like you know who were the ones that didn't survive and he he's like oh that's easy he's at the ones who were the optimists and you're like what? Yep. And, and it's because he said like, yeah, yeah. those optimists is like, you know, they're, they're the ones in the, in the camp that would say, oh, don't worry, guys, we'll get out by Easter. Easter comes around. Don't worry, guys, yep. we'll get out by summer. Don't worry, guys, we'll get out by Thanksgiving. And then 
by Christmas. And then when those expectations, again, that word expectation comes around and doesn't yep. happen, there's only so long they can go for. And um, so the, the optimist just basically gave up. And those are the ones that, that you know, uh, couldn't make it through. And he says that he goes, the one that made it through is that it goes, oh, who makes it through then? He said, well, the one that makes it through is are usually two. They have two mindsets. It's one is that they have to have hope. Okay. So that's the important thing. They have to have yep. hope, which is the optimistic side, yep. right? They have to have hope that they will get through this, that this will end at some point. But the second thing they also have to have is they also have to face reality. They are a mm. prisoner of war. This is the reality. They may be here for years and um, without, you know, rescue. And that's the reality. And I think that second part is the hardest for most people. It's like, setbacks will happen but it's like facing reality like this yep. is as bad as you think it is right and it's like facing that reality yep. sometimes like i said we sometimes are a turtle where we just don't want to see it don't want to don't want to look at it don't want to hear it and so we bury ourselves from it and hopefully that it will kind of just go away you know i think that happened for the last two years isn't it like for a lot of COVID at the beginning especially yep. it was like no no like just two weeks right <laughs> two weeks to flatten the curve <laughs> and then when, you, when the reality yeah. sets in like this is going to be a long haul and sometimes like we don't want to face yeah. it or it could be an investment right like right now we're in this high inflationary period of time like things are you know looking not looking great over the next couple of years right not next couple of months like it could be looking in the next couple of yeah. years, possibly. I don't know. I'm not, this is not financial advice or anything, but like, I mean, just to say the prediction is, is correct. It's like, but some people are like, no, 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 I'm not going to look at it. You know, I'm sure my investment will go up, you know, and I'm not saying this is advice to do whatever with your investment, but it's actually, you got to understand this is the environment we're in. You know, how do you navigate through that rather than going, hoping that I'm living in last year's environment and thinking that everything's going to go back yeah, to that. I think you're spot on in terms of, and I always love the Stockdale um, paradox story as well, because it just highlights that the truism that has to happen, the reality of the situation, not any worse, any better. And, and yeah. I've got um, an extension of that and I've got a, a reference for it specifically as well. So yeah, when, you know, Jim, Jim Collins talks about that in Good to Great, Tony Robbins talks about the scenario is very similar where he basically says, look, you've got this scenario where you walk into your garden and you can say, no weeds, no weeds, no weeds, no weeds, and yet your <laughs> garden's full of weeds. Or you can go, there's weeds in there, let's get these suckers out of here and get done. So that's the reality. That That's basically practical application of that as well, which I think is in a very funny way, highlights exactly what we're talking about. It's like, here's the reality of the situation. There are weeds. What are we going to do about that? Right? Yeah, yeah. And I not, think that's where not, people got the secret wrong, right? Like, you know what I mean? The, the, the book and the yeah. movie. And I think, and there's two camps that I'm not saying, you know, like, like it or not, like it. I was just saying, like, the problem with, like, a lot of people with the secret was that the movie was that they just thought they just had to visualize it. And that was it. Yeah. Um, forgetting yeah. the second part, which is what Tony Robbins says, it's just because visualizing, yes, that's the like part <laughs> one. You definitely got to know what you kind of want and put that into yeah. the universe and create. Yeah. But you actually still have to take some action to it, right? It's not like, yeah, you know, action, I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to lose the weight. <laughs> it's not just going to melt off. Awesome. Yeah, correct. But so, but so they're the realities of it. And, you know, like uh, it's going to be a little bit, little bit morbid what I was going to use as an example. But you, you're right about the reality of the situation. I always remember my, my, my dad, my late dad, always had this capacity and spirit. Yeah, and I think that probably inspired me greatly in terms of my career direction, in terms of how I ended up studying to be a chiropractor in the first place. But he had this unwavering belief that his body had the capacity to heal. No matter mm. what, he'd mm. say, listen, I'm just going to have a lie down you know, I'll get adjusted. I'll take care of it and, and, I'll, and, and I'll be okay. And every time he was. And as he aged, he got to a point. I remember visiting him in the nursing home and I looked at him and he just looked at me and he goes, I'm actually not going to get over this, am I? Because he had a basically pulmonary 
um, scarring. He had a lot of trouble breathing and he butted up against his own perceived view of optimism against the reality of the situation. And when it met, when they met each other, it was really painful and stressful for him because he just had this realization that my body's actually not going to recover from this. You know, that's a really sad realization and place, but then he made peace with that, right? So that was the next setback. Yeah. He could have denied it. He turned that scenario and went, okay, as painful as this is right now, that's a reality. I'm actually not going to get better. Yeah. What am I going to do in the time I have left, um, which was gradually, um, basically rapidly decreasing, how do I make the most of the situation? Mm. And he recorded videos for my kids with, you know, wisdom, past death, those kind of things. So oh, that's great. It can be really painful, but it's your your decision in the moment to go, okay, how am I going to handle this and how, who am I going to become as a result of this setback um, that really defines where it goes from there? You know, that reminds me of um, my mother passing away last year and sort of very similar situation. But I think, I mean, I never knew, I don't know the answer to this. So, you know, well, but I'll, I'll go through the story. Um, very similar to your situation, you know, like when my mom, she was in Canada and uh, I was in Australia, we were in lockdown. I couldn't get out to see her, but you know, she was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, it was, it was quite rapid and she was, one, she was one, my mom, as funny as she is, like she, she, she's always been like this, but it got worse. Uh, I don't know. It definitely affected her brain a little bit, I think, because, but it's, it's basically got to a point where, um, she hates technology, right? So she hates Wi-Fi. She right. hates like any of that stuff. So she made yeah. my dad like turn off Wi-Fi. I couldn't even FaceTime her or Skype her and see her because she wanted me to call her landline. Oh. And um, so, you know, like, oh, I'll call the landline. That's fine, whatever. And But I never got to see her. So I, so all this time, like, it was, we're talking months here. And then finally, I think my, uh, my dad maybe or my brother sent a picture. And right there, and then I'm like, oh, my God. You just know. Like, I don't know, Jim. Like, I, I'm sure you've been through this. But where you just see a person, you go, they're not, they're a shell of who they were. And there's just something yeah. physically yeah. changes. You go, this is not good. Like you can just see it. Like life yeah. is just not there. Yeah. I've seen that twice in my life with yeah. someone close to my family and you just go, hmm, this is not good. And, and, but my mom just kept on the phone, just kept on telling me like, everything's fine. You know, I'll be good. And, you know, she didn't want to yeah. do any medicine or anything like that. And she was really just focused on healing and, and, but for, I mean, I can speak to my, my personal relationship with what you just said around, um, the reality. I basically flipped in my head. I'm like, you know, the positive, the reality is I might never see my mom again, period. Like, you know, that's yeah. reality because I was locked down, couldn't fly, couldn't get into the country, couldn't leave the country. And it's like, okay, like I could make it work. I can force it to happen maybe, like get some, you know, but then like what's a detrimental effect and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, the whole point was I couldn't get there and this is it. Like this could be at any moment, but I don't know if she fully accepted that internally yeah. uh, or she would i mean at the same time she's smart enough to maybe know that accepted that reality but not say anything to me because she didn't want me to worry right so i could that's yeah. also a believable side of the story too so yeah. i don't know i to this day i don't really know but at the end of the day it doesn't matter but i guess you know the learning the learning that i got from it is just that the reality thing like that's the reality i have to face and we as humans have to it's very difficult to face those realities it's difficult it's hard we don't want to see it but the fact of the matter is, is that if you don't face the reality, we're making judgments and making decisions that may not serve us. But if we face the yeah. reality, the decisions we make may actually help us create a better future. Yeah. You know, yeah, like totally, what you, your totally, dad, totally. Like I mean, your dad, what your dad did, how's that? I mean, man, that's amazing. Like it's such an amazing thing, right? Yeah, For but, him to but, do those recordings and videos. Very resilient stock too, Lawrence, you know, like 
Um, my dad for years would say, look, we haven't had as a society, you haven't had hardships that like we did. He was, he was like product of basically post-war. He finished um, formal education in grade three, right? right? The war broke out and never went mm. back to school, right? Be, the guy became a self-made millionaire through just grit and hard work, right? He wow. literally busted himself. But that was the tenacity. And I think that's the part of me that learned to just drive and go harder and harder. I was modeling that behavior, right? But he always used to say, you know, and and I observed this a lot if, with a whole lot of po- um, post-war migrants who I saw around COVID when they handled it really well, to be honest, in my observation. Some of these people handle setbacks. They're going, this whole thing... What do you think? I've got jars of olives, pickled jars, and 15. <laughs> like, I've, I've been preparing for this my whole life, right? And everybody who's just like got one packet of spaghetti or something like that, they were like caught out, right? But the, you go into paper. a bunker, man. It's like, it's like six months worth of food they've got at any one time because yeah. they were prepared through post war, uh, through, the, through the war. So my yeah. dad lived through the war. Yeah. And so consequently, that impacted his psyche and his capacity to go, you cannot expect, you know, expect the unexpected, right? And so yeah. plan for tomorrow, live for today, but have a contingency, have something, have a buffer, whatever it is. And the buffer could be food, cash, whatever. And that's how he went about life. And yeah. so it's that's so, the it, meaning he took through. It's so interesting to say, think about that. Like you, you think about your, your dad, um, my parents did the same thing, right? My parents went through the war and, yeah. and, um, and lived through poverty. Like my dad grew up in India, like he was born yeah. in India. Um, my mom lived through, you know, poverty in, in China and Hong Kong. Like, it, you know, so it's like they, my, both my family grew up in poverty and, you know, yeah. rose to the ranks and um, on their own efforts and, and, and also luck and so on and so forth. We, we'll get yeah. into another podcast another time. But I th- what I, th- what I think about that is like, that, you know, an opportunity meets preparation. Lawrence. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. So, but like, you know, <laughs> you think about our, you and I, like I would say like you and I, just based on what you just said, is that we, we were able to see the hardship from, well, at least, yep. actually we didn't see it. We, I think we heard the stories, but we saw the success yep. of how someone who overcame those hardships, but we never experienced yep. it personally i don't know if you did but i didn't personally experience these hardships my parents went through and we i was able to do that but like i really kind of think about this i know we're kind of maybe going on a different topic but i'm thinking i'm talking about my kids right like let's face it yeah right i didn't live i didn't live through any hardship that my parents lived through my kids definitely yeah. <laughs> is not living through any hardship right and so but what i what i do feel like kind of bad for right it's like they don't i don't know like it, you try to teach it but it's not firsthand knowledge anymore, right? Because they didn't go through me. Like, yeah. you know, so I think that's why this episode is such an important element. It's like, how do we not only how to manage our setbacks ourselves, but how do we teach that to our kids and the next generations yeah. around how to handle these stuff? What do you, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Because what, what you're talking about is a really good example. Like my, my kids are the same, right? They're never going to experience like what my parents did. And they're never going to experience what I did as well, too. So we're fortunate. They've had opportunities and situations that I didn't have, right? And not judge, but I can't compare their experiences to mine and and expect that they understand that because that's not their reality, right? But what I do know is the setback and the human experience of setbacks is what I sought to teach them. So 
Yeah. You know, we had certain scenarios where we went, okay, you may not have economic setbacks that other people had. You may not live through a war, you, you know. But what I want you to do is I want you to understand the process of working through hard things, yeah. you know. And so whenever our kids, you know, we always had the condition that, look, you can do whatever, but you're going to play formal sport. I want you playing sport. I want you doing some kind of martial art. And I want you to do that to work through the challenges. And I don't, I'm not ever going to talk to the coach to get you on the team. You're going to have to work on it on merit. And I believe in meritocracy a lot. You know, I believe in personally preparing kids rather than protecting them. Yeah. Because one day I'm not going to be around and I can't protect them. So I wanted to be able to help them find their own personal power through challenge, setback and struggle. So that that then could be applied to other areas because I knew it wasn't going to be in the economic way that you and I were talking about, but Mm -hmm. it's going to be somewhere else. And once you learn that as a life skill, that's transferable. Yeah, yeah. You know, the argument, the other side of the argument or adding to what you just said, which is 100% true, I believe, which is like the human condition and the human um, psychological and physiological reaction and response to stress is going to be the same for our kids than it was for us and as yeah. uh, and as for our, par- yeah. our, our parents. The only difference was the environment, the circumstances that created that physiological response to setbacks or fear yeah. or anger or whatever is just a different trigger. I truly 100% believe that the motion though, like the subjective emotions and yeah. triggers and the physiological responses to that is going to be exactly felt the same way, but just in yeah. a different context. Yeah, totally. But it's not one totally. better than the it's, other it's because the, same, the, the response is the same. Yeah, totally. Same principles, right? And and this is when they, you know, in all these studies about flow states, they actually look at people and say, how do you get into flow? That state where you are in the zone, you, things are effortless, you've got, you're indefatigable. Well, what they found, right, is that if your skill set is met by something that doesn't demand too much of you, you end up being bored. You don't actually get the best out of yourself. So if you've ever had, you know, if you've ever had a certain skill set and you played in a team that was a lot less skilled than you were, you pretty much default to the level of the team. You suddenly go, why am I playing so badly? Right. When you actually apply against a competition or a challenge that's way above where you are, that you get squashed, well, that suppresses your spirit as well. And that smashes you. And that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. But flow has been shown that if, if it's challenges is a little bit above where your skill set is, where you have to grow into that to embrace all parts of you to take on that challenge. Yeah. That's when you get into flow. That's when you grow. And that to me is the whole process of the setbacks and graduated challenge to it'll help you get better. It's kind of the resistance that you use in weights, right? Yeah, it's the the fine line between boredom and anxiety. And I believe yeah, that exactly. flow state is four exactly. percent. Like I think they actually measured yep. it's about four percent. It doesn't have to be huge. Yeah, that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. Right. So and, and what and do I mean by four percent is so, like it's the challenge has to be about four percent more than what you're already capable of doing. So it's like four percent is not a lot, yeah, but it's yeah. enough, right? It's a, and why four percent? I yeah. think that's a really important number to think about is because it's just enough where it's you're not gonna make it, but it's not unbelievable that you're not gonna make it enough. Do you know what I mean? Like so yeah. it's like like I mean, if I play basketball, it's like I go, okay, now go go slam dunk a basketball and to win a million dollars. Like, it's not believable because I've never even touched the freaking yeah, yeah. rim. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, that's too unbelievable. Um, so it's like that. So, it, but the 4%, it, it, that flow state is to get, to get to that full state. It's like all the athletes are doing is challenging themselves about 4% and they're, and they, because they may or may not make it, but because they tried, they, their yeah. level of achievement is just inching closer and closer. And that's how they, they get into that, to that. Um, yeah. And the times that they don't make that, that's the setback. 
Yes. Right? Exactly. All right. So remember, remember very one. Oh, I can't remember which episode it might have been. One of these ones I went. Okay, we're going to be controversial in terms of everybody gets a prize. I think I might go for it here. When our kids were growing up, they exhibited a lot of sporting talent, right? Mm. And and I was fortunate. That was my pathway. I don't think I've ever mentioned it to you. This is the pathway that I had acceptance in Australia as a migrant kid through sport. Right. So I worked out pretty quickly that, hey, you'll get accepted if you excel at a sport because mm. you can be mm. different culturally. We could segregate you for everything else. But if you can swing a bat, kick a ball or punch harder than anybody else, you're in. Right, so I worked that out very quickly. Right, that was just a survival mechanism that I had. But when my kids were experiencing, you know, were growing through the ranks, I knew that at some point they were going to come up against challenges for, with adults if they were going to play um, cricket. You know, it's like so. One of our eldest sons was playing cricket, an exceptionally talented guy, and I knew that at 12, 13, 14, which is the same age that I broke into senior one as well, I was bombarded with antagonism, basically intimidatory play to scare the kid out of it. And I developed this strength, right, within me mentally. So I helped prepare my my kid for that and my eldest son. And so I started, you know, preparing for it and started challenging him. And I started, you know, even in the backyard, in the nets, how we'd play cricket, which is the game of cricket, and started bowling deliveries aimed at his head. Now, you might look at this and go, geez, you're up for Parent of the Year award. But it wasn't that. It was about preparing him for that process and guess what happens he's 14 years old he breaks into a senior team he walks out to bat the first ball he gets is a bouncer at his head and at 14 he hits the guy over the fence why because he was prepared for that and to me that showed me I couldn't protect him because if he hadn't been prepared for that situation and the ball came and he wasn't prepared he would have been hit Whereas in that scenario, he was ready because he was prepared. Well, exactly. And I think that's the challenge that we have to put ourselves. And yeah, I get why that could be an unpopular thing. I mean, I'll share my side of things. I remember, like, I mean, it's a simple, it's not even in sport. It was like, I think it was like in Monopoly, you know, and like these kids games where we're playing Monopoly or Risk or one of those type of games. I'm like... I'm pretty competitive, but you know, I'll let my kids yeah. kind of like, we, I'm talking like when I say, well, let my kids like win, I'm talking when they were like six. Right. So I'm not talking like now, but yeah. like, I used to just yeah. like, let them, you know, have a yeah. little bit of fun, but like, I'm still going to win. I'm going to beat you. And you know, in chess or whatever. I'm like, and it's like, yeah. I know most people go like, there's no way, like you're so cruel. I'm like, Oh, but at the same time, like I rather okay. them learn Thank how you. to lose, like, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and be upset yeah. with dad when they're younger because yeah. You know, if I let them win, let them win, let them win, and all of a sudden I crush them later on, yeah. it's going to be harder, yeah. I think. Yeah, Matt, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I used to do that too, right? I used to actually, um, you know, my wife, Bettina, go, can't you just let them win, uh, you know, every now and again? I go, listen, if they know that I'm dogging it so that they can win, they're going to be angry at me. And the proudest moment that my kids had was when they surpassed me. And they've surpassed me in so many areas now, it's not funny. I don't care. I don't mind that. My ego was never about my ego. It was about helping them through that process. Now, I know it's going to challenge a lot of people, right, this statement. But I'm okay with that because what I was trying to help teach our kids was, hey, anything that you have, your esteem is linked to the fact that you achieve this on your own. It's not on me, it's on you. And imagine the skill sets and the esteem and the worthiness and the feelings of feeling good enough when they realize, hey, I, I lost and I lost and I learned something. I came back and I won. Ultimately, that helps them more that it's not about a game. It's not about a game of Monopoly and beating your dad at it. It's not yeah. about hitting a ball over the fence for six. It's about what did I learn 
as a result of all the of the setbacks and all the challenges that I faced and who did I become? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's like when in the moment, like I love that moment when they, I think it was chess, say, when they beat me in chess, like yeah. fair and square. And you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and they, they have that yeah. good feeling because they know it hasn't been an easy years for, you know, to losing yeah. to dad all the time. And then finally they overcome yeah. you. And it's yeah. like, yeah, it's, you know, I think that's a great feeling to have. And it's playing the long game. It's, yeah. it's challenging, but yeah, it's, it's not a popular thought process. And, you know, it's, but I think the, the reality is what we're trying to do. Like you, our intention isn't to, to win. Our intention is to make our kids better by, yeah making sure that, yeah. you know, of course we're trying to protect them, but at the same time, we're also making sure they protect for them in the yeah. future, not just in that moment of their feelings yeah. um, at that moment. Yeah, that and, time. And totally. I don't throw them to the lions, right? I basically, I always have tried to do is actually teach them the life skills that are helpful along the way. So there's two moments that I found Lauren's kids were really, really happy um, about themselves. It's number one, where they can beat mum or dad on a board game or a game. And number two, when they surpass them in height. That's kind of like their proudest moments. Have you ever noticed that? Where they're so happy with that. Oh, my daughter is very, very close. Very, very close. We're talking like yeah. half an inch now. I saw, I saw photos of her. She, I thought, whoa, she's getting closer. She'll be, she'll be challenging you very soon if she hasn't already. Yeah, oh, she's been challenged. She's been flirting with that line for about a year now. She just stopped growing in the last <laughs> year. And she's just like, ah. You know, she's... Uh, She's she's there with mom uh, with Karen. She's the same height, but like I got about half an inch, and my hair helps too. Uh, <laughs> that little yeah. bit extra. Yeah, you are luck out in that one, Lawrence. I yeah. can't. I go. I just got to basically just um, rely on natural height um, because I've got no. Yeah, well, you got, got me. No, on, you um, got me on natural height by by a mile. So yeah, I go, I go, uh, that's the go. Hey, um, the other thing I wanted to mention with regard to setbacks, right, is we talked about the accepting the situation. Hmm. And have you ever come across that tool, the whole above the line, below the line? Yeah, but do remind tool? me. I think it would, I, 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 yeah, right. I love, I love this so much. And, and, you know, a lot of times, anytime we do work with teams or culture or, or organizations, we set this as a framework because, and, and we incorporated this in our family. Um, these are kind of agree, uh, sort of um, agreements we have with a lot of groups that are involved in. So if you imagine you've got a straight line, right, and a, you've got a section of three or four words above the line and three or four words below the line, right? So below the line effectively is non-empowering states or behaviours. Mm-hmm. And so anytime a problem comes up, people go to denial, justification, blame and reasons or excuses, right? So fundamentally as a mindset when people go under the line they're not actually setting themselves up for change they're not actually setting themselves up for a lot of what we talked about what did i learn in this and above the line and you can really look into this we've done a lot of work with this with a lot of our teams it's quite often a change it totally changes how people go about life right so above the line you've got things like you take ownership you take accountability you focus on results those kind of empowering things. And through the process of questions, it brings you above the line. So we always had an agreement whenever there are setbacks, okay, you might be disappointed, you might be bummed out, you you know, really disappointed that things worked out the way they are. We'll allow you a certain amount of time underneath the line. Right. You might feel the pity party, you might feel sorry for yourself, you might feel want to blame or whatever, but your onus is to get above that line really quickly. Mm-hmm. So what ownership can you take? What did you learn? What can you be accountable? How are you going to use these results for something different? And to me, that's a really practical tool to change the whole direction of a setback 
into yeah. something more empowering. Yeah. So what I love about that is it's two things. Number one, it's the ability to be able to allow someone to go through the human process of emotions and yep. then learn to like feel it through rather than just ignore it and just battle it and go like, I'm going to be above the line right off the bat. I think it's, yep. it's important because that, yep. that's natural. We have to feel those feelings so we know what that feels like, right? Like this whole podcast. Yeah, Bobby Sabi, if you truncate like, those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. If you truncate those feelings, you it becomes a wound. So it's not actually, you don't doesn't allow you to cycle through that process. Exactly. It'll just, it'll just come out somewhere else uh, later on. Right. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's about being able to, to allow the process that feeling and, but there's a time limit, not a time limit, meaning like there's no time limit for any, depending on the setback, of course, but, but there's a certain moment where you have to be able to make that mental switch and going, okay, enough is enough. And we're going to start moving above the line. And, and that's something that I try to teach yeah. um, my kids with, like, you know, especially with my son, like oftentimes. He just gets into this state and he's going to hear this about this maybe like 10 years from now. So hopefully, you know, he won't be too embarrassed about it. But like, you know, like he gets into the state where, you know, when something goes wrong, he's just like his whole body posture is like, oh, like he just yep. he's 11. Yep. Like, you know, he's a young kid, but he he makes yep. the whole world know like he becomes a victim. And yep. as a dad and, you know, as how I think and how you think, it's like it's one of the worst feelings you can see. Because it's like, oh, my God, like how, like why, like, you know. But yeah. I know what he's doing and I know, he, but it's like, okay, I'm going to let him go through that process. But at some point I'm going to have to like, okay, enough is enough time to snap yeah. out of it. And yeah. he, you know, not, he doesn't do it every time, but he's getting way better at it now. Like he's just getting way better to like, okay, I just got to like, now it's about changing that posture. Now it's about changing my mindset around this because you know, inevitable, like the thing that's happening to you that cause you to feel that that's not going away. Right. It's yeah. like that thing is the thing. And so therefore, you know, you're going to have to learn to like figure it out to navigate through that, that environment or situation. So being in that posture is really not going to help you. So like, it's, 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 a, I love that whole thing is it's about like, how do you get up above yeah. that line now? Because at some yeah. point, like staying below the line is really not going to help you navigate this. In fact, it makes it a lot harder and worse. Yeah. And at an intellectual level, that's a great tool. How do you teach it to 11 year old? That's a really hard tool, you know, and particularly with boys too, who generally will shut down. You know, part of the reason why we used to, as a family, go to uh, football games every week was to keep that connection and bond around one thing so that we could keep dialogue going. And it was really yeah, formative in those years. And I always found it was just amazing. So you know, our boys would want to go off and do their own thing, but we'd congregate it on a Saturday afternoon watching a game and we all agree that our team was hard done by or our team, all oh, that kind of, but it kept dialogue and communication going. And it was so invaluable, particularly for boys in that stage where they do, they just shut down. They don't communicate as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I remember once, you know, because our boys have always been around personal growth, they kind of know you sometimes trying to do it when you're trying to support them and <laughs> yeah. and so you you've just got to be authentic about it without trying to be have an agenda and i remember once we had to drive from melbourne out to this uh, game it was like 150 120k away game and my son was the goalkeeper and it was like eight o'clock in the morning in the middle of winter it was raining cold and he was a goalkeeper and our team got thumped 20 nil and my son right yeah, the, he was a goalkeeper and he was voted MVP that day on his team because had he not stopped 30 goals, they would have got absolutely done <laughs> even further. So the ball did not go on the opposition in their half. So oh their goalkeeper, yeah. you know, basically the kids died of hypothermia. They have to give him cold drinks because he's doing nothing for a whole game, right? <laughs> he just did that. And so, so the drive home was very interesting right. where they're going – 
you know, this kid at that stage is like, okay, I'm, you know, my, my esteem is linked to and, – and as a goalkeeper, when yeah. you're getting 20 goals in the onion bag, yeah. your esteem gets affected no matter what. So I've gone, how do I help him? How do I help him? How do I help him? So I've turned around and said, you know what, um, Sebastian, you played a really great game. You know, it was awesome to watch. You stopped so many goals. Yeah, I know you copped 20. You know, you, you learned so much. Your skills as a goalkeeper went up so much this game. That other goalkeeper, he's no better today than he was last <laughs> week. Seriously. And he's just looked at me and gone, thanks for the pep talk, Dad. I really appreciate it, but we got done 20-0. <laughs> Get real. You know, so, you know, that was me just trying to reframe it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like – it's harder with boys, man, at that age. They'll, they'll call you out big time if they think you're trying to um, be uh, have an agenda or something like that. And, oh, man, we got materials in. to come as, uh, as my as my 11-year-old boy is going to be starting growing up and uh, <laughs> as we navigate through his teenage and puberty life for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Lawrence, Lawrence, I'll tell you what really really helpful is sometimes the most magical moments with them, particularly boys, if, if you try and initiate a conversation, they're not going to want to do it. How was school? Yeah, yeah, they won't give you much. But if after the, if they've played hockey or basketball or soccer or footy or whatever, and and you've picked them up and you're in the car waiting for them and they sit down, then you're both looking ahead. Oh, you're looking ahead. They're looking ahead. They'll sometimes open up with gold. They'll open up with what's going on for them. They'll open up with their fears, doubts, uncertainty, and they're magical moments. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I agree. You can't you can't turn them on and off or tap like you want as yeah. an adult. So that's what I learned. Hey, I've got this great tool. It's called above the line, above the line. They're like, I don't care. We got done twenty nil. Yeah, yeah. All right. But when the moments, when they're ready, it's magic. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to those dead moments for sure. And uh, and and that's the thing. Like with magical moments and, and setbacks in in people's life, it's exactly the same, right? It's like for everybody, it's like you have this ability to be able to have that you know you can you can make that into a really great lesson for you or a great experience that you can yeah. learn from and they, uh, for me i don't know what some lessons that you learned from your setback but for myself it's that whole thing about you mentioned about locus control like i recognize that there are three things that how i kind of put into three buckets in any given moment in time it's which is one bucket is that there are things that i have full control over okay like any decision I make that that's in my control, that's in my control. Then the second thing is things I have an influence on, which means I can influence it, but I don't actually have the fullest control over that. So which means, I, for example, I might have influence on you, Jim, over what I tell you, but I have no control of what you're going to do next, right? I can influence maybe, yeah. you know, with, with words or communications, or but I can't force you to do something because I don't have full control. I can control what I say or do in any given moment, but I can't control how you decide, but I may have influence. Yeah. But then there's the third element, which is, which is the most important is there are things in this world that we have no control over the weather, yeah. the environment that we live in, yeah. government decisions, whatever, like all these things are, you know, are outside of our control. And if you put the things that you're dealing with situation in either one of those three buckets, I think it's important once you start to recognize that there's hope, you're worrying about things that, that's not within your control, have no control over whatsoever. Yeah. You're just wasting your time. And it's way yeah. better to just yeah. focus on the things you can control and influence. And if you spend most of the time doing that, then life is good. Yeah. And Lawrence, I reckon I'm going to finish up now by basically taking what you just said exactly and saying that was the, that's the big thing that I've learned over time is focusing on what's within my control and what's outside of my control. So if it's outside of my control, the learning has been the set. Surrender is that's the learning. It's been surrender the process. If it's within my control and I've had a setback, I ask myself three questions. Did you give your best? What did you learn in the setback? And is this still a priority and important to you? 
And out of those three questions, I will work out how do I regroup, reload, or whether I need to change that or let that go because it no longer serves me anymore. And that's the byproduct of running into many walls at high speed over a long time and then eventually getting to the point going, there's got to be another way, man. I can't keep doing this the same way. What question or what thing that I need to do differently? So that's that's probably my takeaway out of this yeah. uh, for people as well. Well, John Wooden, uh, great, one of the great basketball coaches, you know, always said that, yeah. you know, a loss is never a loss unless unless you didn't learn a lesson from it or something to that effect. And I think yep. that's exactly you know what life is about. Yep. And I think you know these setbacks are yep. are not losses if you learn something from it. It's a lesson, yep. and that's the L. And uh, I think that if we can kind of move yep. through life uh, with minimizing the losses and increasing our lessons, and and then also translate those to wins, you're gonna have a great life. And I think that's you know it's hard to play yep. the long game in the moment, as we discussed. But you know navigate through your emotions, and the quicker you're able to get above the line to transform into a lesson, so that you can go after your next win. I think that is the the name of the game. And um, and if you get to do that for the rest of your life, you now get to have an enjoyable life. And that I feel like it's a yeah. good life to live. And that's what we're trying to, you know, help everyone yeah. kind of create. Awesome. Awesome. Well, really enjoyed our uh, our podcast recording today, Lawrence. And uh, thank you once again. Um, love hanging with you with these uh, podcasts and I look forward to our next one next time. All right, guys, everybody. So you were here on YouTube and on uh, every podcast platform that you might be listening to. So please, if you can give us a review, that'd be great. Give us a thumbs up or, you know, either leave a comment. Um, and most importantly, just share this stuff with someone who you think might need to hear this message and um, and this podcast. So I look forward to it. Until uh, next episode, Jim, we'll speak to you then. Take care. Thank you.